0: Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV, because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see, your host, Ellen Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen, comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between, welcome to the Televerse, let's the show! Hello and welcome to the Televerse, this is Kate Colson, joined December by Noel Kirkpatrick, and Noel, we've got? We've got some like serious TV news to talk about this week. Um, let's start with the puzzling one and end with the celebratory one. So uh, it broke early uh, last this week or like on Monday, yes. Tuesday, that Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman and the bad news broke. And then the next day there was like a TV line kind of I think it was article about, you know, giving more uh, detail about it. I was shocked. Were you
1: shocked? Ah, uh, very shocked. Um, as I sort of maintained, and as I think they were like really setting up that Rose and Batwoman were going to become sort of the face of the franchise. Yeah. Um, in terms of the Arrowverse going forward, and that isn't. At the very least, Ruby Rose is not going to be that face um, of the Arrowverse or whatever we're going to call it now (laughs) uh, going forward. And it was really very surprising. And then the TV line report um, from one one source came out basically saying, yeah, no, she was miserable.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you get the sense that maybe it wasn't necessarily a positive working environment for other people. Because she was miserable. It takes a right. lot to be top of the call sheet, to, to run, set the tone for the, the whole show. And if you don't have someone who wants to be there, it just, it, it strikes me as absolutely draining to mm-hmm. do that job. And if you don't have someone who it understands what it needs and is committed to that, it can be a miserable experience for everyone.
1: Yeah, and I mean, broadcast television is hard. Um, mm-hmm. It's like your work weeks are sixty to seventy hours, if not a little bit more. On top of which, in this case, you've got a lot of like stunt work that you're you're doing. In Ruby Rose's case, she had she sustained an injury and underwent surgery during the show. She
0: nearly was paralyzed. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So I think that there's very good reasons, and uh, also she may not have gotten to Vancouver, which is. I think fair for like whatever sort of reasons. And so you combine all of that with someone who's basically only done cable and film, the demands of a broadcast television season are rough. Like even like if you read, um, Emily Vanderwerf's and Zach Hanlon's, uh, X-Files Compendium, uh, which is a great book. I read it earlier this year. Uh, They interview Robert Patrick, and Robert Patrick just talks about how much of a slog it was for him and an adjustment shifting from doing film exclusively to doing broadcast television and Mm -hmm. just how much of a marathon it is, Um, both a sprint and a marathon at the same time, because you have to finish your episode in a week. But then you have another episode to do the next week and on and on and on so I think that that's just something that you have to be prepared for and it's it's tough like I can't imagine doing it like the only thing I can even think to compare it to is sort of like doing a stage production once a a day twice on Sundays or Wednesdays or twice on Sundays and Wednesdays and just that whole grind Um, so yeah no it makes sense in terms of, like, if she's unhappy, then everyone else was just like, yeah, no, because these contracts are for, like, six to seven seasons, typically. Yeah. Um, so, letting her out is a big deal. Um, and they're they're betting a lot on the show, I think, which is why they released her from her contract, basically. So, I'm really curious about who they're going to cast going forward, because uh, they're going to recast the role. I think it's just... Given how... <laughs> the season finale ends with someone getting a new face. The fact that our lead will be a completely new person is just weirdly delightful um, and weird. So I'm really interested to see what they do going forward. Um, What do you think that this sort of means for the show? Um, They did reaffirm that they're still going to find a actor within the LGBTQIA plus community for Kate. Um, so how are you feeling about this? Yeah, it's,
0: you know, it, it was very shocking. It, it was it just because it kind of came out of nowhere. They had, I, I thought, a really strong finale. We'll talk about that later in the episode. Um, and then all of a sudden she's out. It's like, huh? Because it's not a thing people do because it pays really well. It's really hard work. It's very demanding work. You have to constantly be... Um, even when you're not filming you you have to be constantly aware of what you're doing what you're saying how you're perceived like you have to stay in ridiculously good shape even when you're not filming you have to maintain that at least somewhat because you know you're going to be back to doing ridiculous stunts and just needing even just the health to in the mm-hmm. to, you can't get sick right so yeah. you're you're going to bed early every night you're keeping a very rigorous diet and like it's it demands a lot of people who take that on. And so because of that, right, you're and and because certain people are making lots of money, the stars of those shows are very well compensated. And also with the knowledge that you might not get another role. So (laughs) if you are good with your money, you want this to be able to secure you for a good long time, right? So TV, network TV pays really well. Um, So usually people don't turn that down. But if someone's miserable on set, right, you, there's, we've all heard plenty of stories of toxic sets. And yeah. it you cannot run a show like this well with a lead who does not want to be there. It's going to come through in the show. We all, all heard what was happening over on Lethal Weapon, like the whole mess that that became. And that was a show that was comparatively... for. You know the expectations for it, well received and got decent ratings, and that cost them their sh- That cost the network the show. So for them to make the move of, and especially if we can believe the PR that it was mutual of being like, yeah. okay, something's got to give. We will recast our show. It says a lot about, like you were saying. The CW's plans for this series to anchor them the next several years, they're in a very tricky position, right? Yes. Flash is very long in the tooth. Who knows how long? And and they're about to run up to the end of the contracts.
1: They've been discussing that with Guston Grant in terms of doing like a two year extension for him into like season nine, I think.
0: Yeah and yeah. they've lost uh Arrow and they've and they're losing Supernatural now next year but still so like a lot of their biggest shows and their most enduring shows are are either gone or transitioning um out of that so they they're looking for people that they can have as a backbone to their network. And some of that is Riverdale, some of that is the Vampire Diaries, various spin-offs, which still continue. But a big part of that is this Arrowverse Extended Universe. Batwoman, I think, is the third highest-rated show on the CW.
1: I think. I don't know for sure. I'd have to look.
0: So if they if they pull off this recast, they it's it's very reassuring that they are planning to be with Batwoman for the next five years. Yeah. Um if they don't, then they're not in a worse position than if they had a lead actor who didn't want to be there. So we'll see what happens. I think, I mean, I would love for them to get creative with the, the recast. I I mean, I think Ruby Rose has such a distinct look. I thought, I think she has been very good as Kate, um, and I was a little skeptical, but I've really enjoyed her interpretation of the character. I like the little bits of whimsy and fun she brings to it sometimes, and that while still being very much in the Oliver Queen and Bruce Wayne, like, broody, silent type, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So I would like, they have to stick, I think they need to stick close to some of that, but the whole show is going to have to at least somewhat shift tonally, because if they try to go too similar, then they're going to invite constant comparisons yep. um there some people have already thrown their hat in the in the ring publicly stephanie beatrice it's like, I want it. I want it. How do I audition? I want it. Please, please. How can I audition? And I think we're all, we can all agree. Yes, we'd like Stephanie Beatrice <laughs> to be our lead. If she's, you know, depending
1: on what that means for Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I, 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 feel, I feel like that's not great for Brooklyn Nine-Nine.
0: <laughs> but, you know, if it because Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I think we all love Brooklyn Nine-Nine. But I don't know if I expect it'll be on TV for five more years. Yeah. But... If, if Stephanie Beatrice can be Batwoman for the next five years, you know I would like to see that. Um, yeah. Also, I I, probably, I apologize, I don't know the, uh, her name, but the um, woman who was, like, the leader of the baddies on Black Lightning, the military commander.
1: Woman. Oh, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, yeah I know who you're talking that about. That
0: actor has also been, like you know, put me in coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, and as you know, want, talked about wanting to audition for it. How do you, get, how do I get my audition for it? Um, so there, there are some people who have very vocally and publicly said like me, I want it. Let me audition. Um, so, it, and, and I don't know if that's something that they will do that they will, I don't know if they would be willing to, um, to cast Stephanie Beatrice and be like, hey, don't worry about it. It's like, why is her, why is her twin sister, right? They, you guys look. at, don't worry about it. Don't think about it. Don't overthink it. Whatever it is. Our, our, our favorite slogan from Lucifer. But, um, but I would, I would really enjoy it so i don't know what do you think do you want them to try to stick with you know there's also been a lot of calls for them to cast uh to try to cast uh an actor from the lgbtq community who is uh jewish as well because that's a big part of the the character's identity in the comics um so do you i know what do you think
1: about all this well i think one of the things that's actually also really interesting that feels a little under discussed in this is that aside from to a certain extent, Cress Williams, who headlines Black Lightning. Ruby Rose is a name that they got for this. When they've been casting everything else, it's like, you recognize Grant Gust and Melissa Benoist from brief stints on Glee. And some other work, but like they're not names in the same way Ruby Rose was a name. Um, so I feel like that was also something that maybe just didn't get factored in to this to a certain degree. And I'm really curious to see if they can try to find another name going forward. Um, Cause also Stephen Amell was just a guy who had done two episodes of the vampire diaries um, and like a couple of other things, but was basically, this was it. Um, so I'm, I'll be really curious if they go for someone relatively unknown or if, they just, if they're looking for a name again. Um, I would love for them to find someone um, Jewish for this. Because, yeah, no, it's a big part of that character. And that would be really... I think that would be really interesting and really good. Um, but I, I don't have ideas about who it could be. Because uh, we all joked when they announced Batwoman that it's just like, oh, you're going to cast Ruby Rose. <laughs> <laughs> Because that, that's what was going to happen because she, she's the most high profile sort of person for that role, um, that wasn't already working on something. Um, so I think, yeah, I don't know who they could get, but I, I like both of those options. Um, because the woman who was the military like XO or whatever in Black Lightning was great like she was really 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 good um as for like comparisons and that kind of thing i think that you can sort of get by keeping the tone a little bit i think that there's adjustments that have to be made to accommodate your elite actor that's just how shows work um but i do think that finding someone who let me rephrase i think The big thing, especially depending on the show going forward, is you need chemistry tests with the woman who plays Alice. Like, that's kind of the show.
0: Yeah. And Um, also also Mary.
1: Yes. Those are like the two things that you need chemistry tests for. Um, Like, you need that. Like, if you don't have chemistry with either of those actors, you can't be on the show. You can't do the show. Because um, everyone else you can kind of get through. Like if you don't work necessarily well with Gregory Scott or um, who's ever playing Jacob, um, you can kind of get by on that. Luke, I, I, I just you got to be able to do banter.
0: Yeah, right? there's yeah, the, it's they're only in season one. There's certain relationships that have been really strongly established and certain ones that still have a lot of ability to be morphed depending on how the characters the actors interact and what their dynamic is uh, and luke and and kate is one of those that that they could take that relationship a bunch of different ways and still have it really work but yes i think i mean it also speaks to how well they've established the show in its first season that it does i feel like you know if they if they get the right person I do think they can take out their lead and put in a different actor and the show will still work. Yeah, and yeah. And that is saying a lot about how well they've established their world and yeah. how well they, like, Rachel, I don't remember her last name, who plays Ellis. Starts with an S, right? Yeah. Um, on, let me pull it up. Like, I saw some people be like, can we make them be, twi- like, identical twins and she can play both for now? Like,
1: <laughs> Scarston. Oh, God, no, she was just... That poor woman would die. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. Is like I was thinking about this yesterday, and while like Rose and Kate are both like important to the show, Alice and Scarsten are sort of like the sun around which the rest of the show for me orbits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like figuring out that 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 connection between those two actors and those two characters, I think, is really really key, and it kind of needs to work really well because scarston for me has defined the show more aggressively than Rose has. And that performance has as well.
0: Actually the one of the people I kind of need them to have maybe like second only to Alice in yeah. Chemistry Test is is Melissa Benoist and Kara.
1: Yeah, because no, and that's super important.
0: Yeah, that that dynamic that they've established with Supergirl and Batwoman um and Kara and and Kate specifically in those crossovers has been like really effective and something that will hopefully, like you can tell they are setting up a, a crossover here and it's like, ah, in their finale. I want to see the crossover that now maybe next year with a new cast. It's going to be strange that like th- those kind of things will be a little unusual, but yeah, it's, it's certainly very interesting. Sorry. We've talked about this for 20 minutes. Uh, yeah. Did you have any other, any other thoughts on this?
1: No, I just, it's something to keep an eye on. And I, I like, I have to feel that both Warner Brothers or Warner Media Television or however they've been rebranded and the CW are both just like, oh, thank goodness we don't have to like really, really rush to recast this. Mm-hmm. Um, We have a little bit of time <laughs> um, to figure this out.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they should just recast it and not, even, like, mention it. You can have, like, if Mixapitalik shows up for some reason, like, he can comment on it, but, like, they should just not even, they should just do a Spartacus. Just don't even worry about it. Um, So we'll see what they do. The other bit of news was that Tuca and Birdie, Televerse approved Tuca and Birdie, has been renewed for season two at Adult Swim on Cartoon Network. Um, That came out of nowhere today, and I was very excited. I was, like, the theme song immediately started playing in my head and I started dancing around. It was great.
1: Yeah, I'm very excited for a lot of other people. <laughs> like, I really like Tuca and Birdie as well, but it was not, like, something that I, like, really latched onto in the same way that you and a number of other folks did. Um, it's very good, but it's also just, like, I'm very excited for other people, but it's also, as um, Marcus, who joins us in for streaming in place discussions for Lucifer, pointed out, it's, like, it's getting a little weird that people are saving Netflix shows. Um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm really curious about like the industrial deals that got worked out for this since considering how much of a chore it was to get, uh, one day at a time over to pop, um, what is involved with Tuka and Birdie season two showing over to Adult Swim. But I'm very glad. And it's a good fit for Adult Swim. Yeah. Um, it's a very different fit for Adult Swim, but it's a, the correct fit. Like it could literally go nowhere else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to think that that working anywhere else, but I'm excited yep. for it. It's coming in 2021. Something to look forward to next year. If we get um, there. Yeah, when we get there. So Something to look forward to at the end of the episode is that we are talking about She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, season five this week in the spotlight section. It is the final uh, season of the show, so we'll be talking about think, this season, and then also, I'm sure, looking back on those series as a whole. Lots of fun to come there at the end of the show. But for now, we've got a very full week of TV, this is going to be a long one, guys. And so we're going to take a break, listen to a little bit of music and come back with our week in comedy and reality. We'll be right back after this. Mm-hmm. was secret law by Jonathan Colton featured this week on the good fight. We're going to talk about the good fight a little bit next week because it has its uh, season finale. Um, and I think it's the season finale next week. So we'll check in on it then. But I, I was going to of course include that little animated sequence here as some of our music this week in comedy and reality. We're going to kick things off with last week tonight with John Oliver and their sports episode. Uh, then a little ultimate tag, the season premiere then we'll go uh, catch up with what we do in the shadows, the return, and also last week's episode on the run because I caught up with it and it was delightful, just like you said. Uh, then we'll then I'll talk a little bit about RuPaul's Secret Celebrity Drag Race finale, um, and then we'll talk about the pe- anti penultimate episode of Drag Race season twelve, Viva uh, Viva uh, Drag Race. The title should be Viva Drag Vegas, and that is what. The episode title is on Wikipedia, but the episode title from the production and at VH1.com is Viva Drag Race. And it's really annoying because (laughs) make up your minds, guys. Um, Anyways, this has been your little window into my life as a drag race reviewer where I'm like, what title do I call it? What do I, but this says this, but then my cable box says it's this, but then the VH1 press release says it's this. Uh, Anyways, more on that in a bit. And we'll round out the segment with Top Chef Ulster's L.A. Uh, Colossal Coliseum Kaiseki. So first we have last week's note Oliver and his look at sports in the age of coronavirus and what will be able to open and how and what will that mean. I I thought this was a, a good twist on continuing coverage of coronavirus and everything that's going on with COVID nineteen, but to dive into a topic that people a lot of people are talking about, a lot of governors, a lot of uh, a lot of you know pundits and politicians are talking about, you know, whether or not we should open up sports. A lot of people are very involved and passionate about it, but I'm not seeing many people actually get into the nitty gritty of what that means. So I appreciated yeah. this segment. What did you think?
1: Well, I think the segment's really good. And it, the fact that it came on the heels of ESPN doing a large, or came right before ESPN doing sort of a large survey of major league baseball's plans to sort of reopen in which it basically sounds like no one can get sick. And to which everyone went, yeah, but if one person gets sick, your entire thing collapses. Yeah. Um, Like that's just how this goes. Um, But yeah, I think that it's, it's a really good way of looking at it. It's also something that's just deeply important to a huge number of people, even if it's not necessarily the two of us. Um, they announced that um, last week tonight because they don't have a way to spend their budget are the sole sponsors of Jelly's Marble Runs, which is basically just races run by marbles. Um, and they have like something like twenty teams, like twenty four teams uh, for this, and they're just they're just very good names um and i'm very excited i've subscribed to the youtube channel um <laughs> so i will be watching the marble league 2020 um as we head down uh which starts on june 1st um it's very exciting um have you picked a team yet
0: i have not picked a team yet uh okay i need to like i feel like i need to get some rooting interests or maybe i should just like look at the names on the list the names are very
1: good the do names have, are very good do you good. have a favorite yet not yet um i want to go back and watch some old um footage and like kind of pick a team make an informed um, decision right yeah i want to make an informed decision like i think that's really important like i mean that's the same thing with folks who've got it really into south korean baseball like a couple of weeks ago you have to make an informed decision about who to root for um though i just i really like the midnight um the midnight wisps the midnight wisps logo is very good like, I really like it a lot, but Balls of Chaos is an actual team name, and I feel like you got to respect that. <laughs> you got to respect the Balls of Chaos. Um, but also, I, I really like Mint, and there's the Minty Maniacs.
0: Yeah. There's
1: a, there's some options here, is what there's I'm saying. There's some options,
0: yeah. <laughs> Listeners, let us know if you have any interest in following this, because honestly, we might actually cover it on the show. We may not have a choice. <laughs> like we we were joking around about that, but earlier, but I think we might actually do it if if it if it lives up to its potential as yes. absolutely delightful short form uh, ed- entertainment. Then yeah, we might actually
1: have some fun with that over the summer. Yeah, like I said, we also just may not have a choice.
0: <laughs> well, we've, we've got some shows. S.H.I.E.L.D. is coming back. Stargirl started up. There's some things. But but yeah, no, we'll we'll definitely be, we'll be looking for things to cover. But also, it's just delightful. If you get the right voiceover, you get the right commentators, you can make that
1: work. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm excited about it.
0: Well, should we similarly be checking out Ultimate Tag? You Better Run, which is their first episode?
1: Yeah, so, Kate, Ultimate Tag is the show of our time it is probably the most important show airing on television right now because all it does is remind you of a time where you could run around and touch strangers and (laughs) what better way of like really remembering that and reveling in that than watching people chase one another in an arena while three former football players i think they're former All the Watts brothers, I don't know. I don't follow (laughs) football. Um, Provide not great commentary about it. Um, So listeners, ultimate tag is the latest um, summer filler show from Fox, um, in which athletes of various stripes, um, both like the first episode features like a gold medalist Olympian, um, a division two basketball player, and some folks who are just really fast. And like runners, basically, um, competing to win in multiple different versions of tag against pro taggers, which are all done in a very American gladiator sort of thing. Of like, these are people who are like professional parkour, professional free runners. Um, A couple of them are like just bodybuilders um, who are given really ridiculous names, like the Iron Giant, the Iron Giantess, or Mm -hmm. the Geek. And various other things, and they all play up to a personality. It's very silly. It's very ridiculous. But it's very watchable. Um, Like, if you have fond memories of people trying to climb up the aggro crag from Nickelodeon's guts, you'll kind of like the final challenge. Um I think, like, one of the big things about the show that is a little uneven is the fact that uh, at least in the first batch no one else does none of the normies basically the the contestants do parkour and you really have to be able to do parkour on these um these sets um these arenas because you're just it's rough if you don't do parkour Um, because everyone else does parkour and they're very, 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 very good at it. Um, So it's fun watching people do a bunch of acrobatics things and basically leap over things like gazelles. Um, But I'm still going to keep watching it, Kate, because I Mm -hmm. had a very good time (laughs) while I was watching Ultimate Tag. It is not as good as Holy Moly,
0: I was going to ask because Holy Moly came back this week too.
1: It did. And I haven't had time to watch it because um, I opted to watch like the first 30 minutes of the um, Celebrity Escape Room Red <laughs> special instead. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed Ultimate Tag. It's very silly. It's very American Gladiators-esque as well in a lot of ways. So if you need a hankering and you have that, Ultimate Tag may be something that you want to watch. It's very ridiculous, though. And I enjoyed it. Well, good.
0: I'm glad to hear that. We'll see if I...
1: You don't need to. But...
0: Well, a bunch of my reality viewing is about to to, to dry up. Sure. Um, yeah. So, like, we only have... We're down to the final five or six on Top Chef. Um, the We're Here is finishing up next week or after one more episode. And Secret Celebrity Drag Race is done. And... Season 12 of Drag Race is going to be immediately followed by All-Stars. So, like, there will still be a Drag Drag Race episode for me to watch every week. But other reality that I'm enjoying is kind of finishing up their season. So I will be looking for just some mindless fun while I type up, like, student notes and, like, do invoicing and stuff. So this might scratch that itch. So we will see. Um, You know, another show that's coming towards the end of the season, which, tears, uh, is, is what we do in the shadows. And I am very excited about... This episode, I'm very excited about last week's episode, and I'm very not excited for when the season ends, because I'm going to miss the show a lot over the summer. Um, Here we have the return of Nick Kroll's character, and this, just like, it's so stupid, the thing with the hat. It's so, so very stupid, but I'm very, very, very here for it. Um, And while all of that is happening, it keeps you distracted enough. So that the, they can surprise you with this new twist with Guillermo and Lavlo that is uh, intriguing and promises a lot of good things, you know, just on the horizon. So while, yes, this episode is no Jackie Daytona and the girls volleyball team needing to go to state, which thank you for not telling me about that. Because, yeah, I'm so glad that I got to just experience it. No, no, no like,
1: just- Giving you that premise of he leaves Staten Island for another town. That's all you need because everything else is so good. It's (laughs) very good.
0: And you you had teased, uh, listeners, if you missed last week's episode, Noel had teased that there was a Televerse favorite who shows up as like an arch rival nemesis character and it took me so long. I had to look it up to figure out that it was Mark Hamill. Cause he's very good and he's like the hair and the beard and the voice. Obviously he's a voice actor and, and I've appreciated his work on plenty of animated shows, but uh, there, the signifiers that I would take to have my brain go to Mark Hamill. None of them were there and he's just absolutely delightful. That last shot of him coaching in the end. Oh, it's so good. I, like they've been crushing it all season and this was another really fun episode. So while it was not Jackie Daytona, like just <laughs> Nadia's just absolute absolute just exhaustion with the hat was was perfect and Colin getting into a troll war with a troll it's just there's there's so much good here. It's really good.
1: One alcoholic human beverage, please. <laughs> <laughs> You've been there that whole time! <laughs> I didn't recognize you with your dungarees and toothpick! Um, it's just so good. Um, no, the return's really great. Like Nick Kroll's such a good like vibe for this show, and he's really, really, really good in this episode. Um, but the entire thing about just bringing back the hat and making you think it's not about the hat initially, I think is really, really solid. Um, and then just too many gags, like, there's just too many jokes in this episode of, like, the Neil, Patrick, and Harris. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, but also, like, the amount of restraint, like, the entirety of Elvis could just be a whole episode, and the show goes, no. I didn't like Elvis. I didn't either, which is why I appreciated the fact that it was just a joke, as opposed to, like, the whole episode, because it's too easy for that to be the whole episode. Mm -hmm. And so turning it into just Two jokes, basically. Works for me. Um, But all the stuff with Nandor and Guillermo, I'm just... Oh, it's going to be so bad. It's going to be so good and bad. And I'm very worried. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm so very excited.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the thing for me with the Elvis, that's the one part of the episode I actually disliked. You don't get to add a roommate in the house.
1: That's super nowhere. fair, but he only he's only there some of the time. I think is like the implication.
0: Yeah, but then you need to establish that, and you need to yeah. establish that by like saying, "Oh, and we, he's not our only house guest. One of the vampires I've created is back in town, recording yeah, that's his album, right?" And then you could tease it, and then later you show that at Elvis, right? I they they didn't do the work necessary for that, so it, for me it was very distracting. And then I was like, "Okay, well, then who's going to randomly be in the basement next yeah. episode?" Like I I was. I was like, "Show you no know better than this. You can earn this. You can do this gag, but you have to earn it." Um, but I, I just love the rest of it. It was really good. Ugh. I, I I don't have people I see. I, well, I don't see anybody IRL right now. But like, I don't know many people who, who outside of the people in like TV Twitter mm-hmm. who watch this show. And it's like, it's just so funny. It makes me sad. I want to talk about this show with more people. But, ugh. anyways, hit me up on Twitter what we do in the shadows fan because this season they continue to crush it we had the last episode of rupaul's secret celebrity drag race and it was fine i was like this i mean there was some good stuff in it don't get me wrong but i was like this is your you should they should have aired the third episode they should have aired the second episode first and it should have aired the third episode last because the second episode is the one that had Vanessa Williams it was very good um, this episode had this finale episode had Phoebe Robinson, who I of course really enjoy from two dope Queens and it had some other, um, it, like everybody who was in it, like was very good. Like everybody did a good job, but it just wasn't nearly as satisfying of a final episode as the previous one had been. So I'm a little puzzled by the order they decided to air things in, but I ultimately have enjoyed this little season. I think it'd be easy to overstate how successful it has been and kind of beat the fun out of it by bringing it back for like a whole like season, but as like a little mini thing of like, I don't know, four or six episodes, I think there's some fun here and certainly it might be a way to like help fill the gaps or like boost up episodes like tonight's episode of Drag Race as we record, which is the reunion episode. So if you want to make sure people actually tune in, maybe you pair it with Secret Celebrity Drag Race kind of a thing, make it an event evening. Um, There's definitely more life in this concept, but uh, I was a little underwhelmed by the finale, I will say. Uh, Over on regular Drag Race, we had Viva uh, Drag Race, which was their final five down to top three episode. So they had the queens had to first do their Quick drag, I mean, quick drag, it was 30 minutes, but still they had to make a headdress in that 30 minutes. Um, it was their quick drag and the theme of Vegas uh, showgirls with like headdresses and and um, and uh, like leotards and giant feathers and all that. And then they had to put on a basically a second Rusicle with uh-huh. songs taken from the Drag Race Vegas show. And I thought it was terrific. I actually really liked the episode. Um, and I think it just really highlights the strengths of these queens. Uh, and while I don't think that, that necessarily any of these queens are among my favorite drag race queens over the run of the show, I think as a top five or a top six, you know, if especially if you take out Cherry Pie from that conversation, I think it's one of the strongest top set of queens they've had in quite a long time because usually there's like one or two who are really contending and at this point i would say that one and two is jada and Gigi, but really all of them are so good they're all so good i thought they crushed it i really like this episode
1: yeah i think it's like first off Like, we went basically the entire season without any crafting challenges, and I'm very upset about that. Like, I'm very, very frustrated. Um, Beyond the ball challenge, yeah. Beyond the ball challenge, and that was, like, at the very beginning of the season. Mm -hmm. It's not okay. Um, It's, like, I'm really kind of annoyed by it. Um, Well, you know, it's interesting. Yeah.
0: In theory, the finale will end up being somewhat of a design challenge.
1: Because they that's will be true. filming,
0: like, not intentionally.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but, not in, but yeah, not intentionally. But, but due thing. to coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, it's not intended to be one, and that's, that is a problem. Um, so I just want to, like, air that grievance real quick. Um, yeah, no, I think that everything else in this episode is generally really solid. Um, like... I enjoyed, like, the Rusical sort of thing, again, even though this is, like, different enough that it felt distinct. Um, And so I think that there's plenty of, like, good stuff in here. Um, But I do agree with you that, like, this this feels like just a ridiculously stacked group for their final, for for their finale. And, like, admittedly, I don't have, like, all, like, comparison points, but Mm -hmm. it just feels sort of stacked um, with talent Um, even though Sherry's out um, even without that it's just like Crystal Gigi and Jada are just like for both like three very different kinds of queens even though like Jada and Gigi sort of have like a little bit of an overlap but both of them have like different perspectives and different looks that it doesn't matter like you're not you're not feeling like we've got two glamour queens basically, and Crystal doing weird cool fun drag, um, because Jada and Gigi both have so distinct visions of what that looks like, um, and I think that that just makes a huge difference in terms of what we're going to see in the finale, but also. What we've seen so far, that what we what we've seen throughout this season, uh, so I think it's been a really strong season overall, um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see how this finale is going to look, um, but yeah, you're just going to have to tell me what it <laughs> looks like since I'm not going to be able to watch it until tomorrow, but yeah. you will also still be asleep probably when I actually well, turn it on. <laughs> so, of course, tomorrow we have, as we talk, there's the
0: reunion episode this week. Next week will be the finale. Mm, mm. But um, I'm looking forward right. to. They're going to do like a basically they're calling it like a, sl- a slumber party. The episode yes. title is "Alone Together," right? So it, I don't know how exactly how they're going to stage it, but it'll be it'll be very interesting, and it'll certainly mm-hmm. be a uh, very specific um, timestamp for the season. And like you know, hopefully. Yeah years on we'll reflect back on remember that oh that was wild <laughs> Um, so we'll see what happens I'm, I'm a little intrigued there hasn't been a screener uh, which is a little disconcerting because usually if it's you know usually there is a screener for, for the reunion as like yeah. as I re- recall so either they're still trying to finish it or, or they are hoping that people will not it's not great and they don't want people to be talking about that ahead of time so I'm hoping it's the former I guess, but that's not a good sign for the finale. So we'll see. We'll see. <sighs> Over on Top Chef, we had, uh, all, of course, Top Chef All Stars LA. We had the Colossal Coliseum, Kaiseki, and this was—I think it is really delivered on what we were hoping for from it. Uh, I liked the the attention. I like that there. W- yes, there was still a quick fire, but mostly it felt like the episode's focus was on this is what Kaiseki is, and all the chefs going. It's really hard. It's really hard. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And most of them not doing great and, or at least doing, I mean, compared to what a normal person would do or a normal chef who doesn't have top chef experience. Great. Don't get me wrong. But like the fact that only one person really nailed it and a second person kind of got close out of, out of their top six was really interesting. And it's not the two I would have, uh, necessarily expected. It. Well, it's one of the two I would have expected, and um, so I I, I liked that the, there was a real respect and reverence for Kaiseki, and that they seemed seemingly brought in two chefs who know their shit to talk about it, and really let them lead all of the discussions, yeah. um, in, at judges' table. So there was a lot that I really appreciated about this about this one
1: yeah for me, I was a little underwhelmed by the episode okay um which was frustrating uh because I was very hyped about it. I think a lot of it boiled down to the fact that I was really expecting e- each of them to do a oh course yeah. individually okay and then just to turn it into not a team challenge but you each make one dish from the progression. But we're not going to talk. You're not going to talk to each other about the progression, which is a big problem I have with this challenge because the kaiseki menu is supposed to flow. There's no discussion of flow within this, and that's really that. That was really frustrating for me. Um, so just watching everyone do their own version of that kaiseki course, I think, was resulted in like kind of a disjointed experience for me. Um and I didn't really care for that. Um, but I also just did not care for. And I know that this was probably like network mandated. I did not care for just having a bunch of athletes here for this challenge. Like I really needed more restaurant tours and chefs to comment on the food. <laughs> well, I liked the
0: chefs and I liked the I liked the athletes and I liked. The, I appreciated their perspective as comparative normal people going like, it's yeah. really, really good. But they were useless in the conversations. Cause yes, they, that's the thing.
1: Like, yeah. they didn't offer anything. And as a result, you had to rely on these two other chefs to provide all the co- context for it. And I was very frustrated by that. Because, um, yes, no, they get to enjoy all this really good food. But yes, like you just said, Their comments were worthless. Um, So I was just very frustrated. And this has sort of been like a trend this season of like, you don't have the subject matter experts here for this, like with the art challenge or the music challenge when when you're actually tasting the food. And I was glad that that was not the case here, but at the same time you needed more of them this time. (laughs) Well, and here's the, here's why I was okay with the athletes because I think most chefs
0: would not have been useful. And most restaurateurs and the people that live in that area that they would have been able to easily bring in for yeah. that,
1: for this. And that's super fair. It,
0: like I want, I would have liked ideally for them to have a bunch of, of Kaiseki experts there. Yeah, That, that would have been great. But if, you know, it, 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 it's sort of like how I felt about the, with the art challenge where we were talking about where are the art historians? Cause yeah. that's who I want to see talk about this. And like with the music it's like, okay, you need to have, You know, like obviously they had um, Dudamel there, but he was like offering, saying like two things. He, they didn't really have him go into things. It was very pat. Where, like, if their challenge is to interpret music into this food, bring in some people who really know music and let them talk and let them talk to each other because that will spark more conversations. Right. And if you're not going to do that, then why not athletes? Because I think if you bring in more uh, chefs, then they'll just it gives them a credence that they don't actually have cuz they don't specialize in this thing. Yeah. Um so that was sort of where I was at with it but I absolutely 100% hear what you're saying and yes it was absolutely like the one athlete who's like, "Oh, this that dessert was really delicious. Now I can't wait to go to Tokyo." is like, "You you know you're not going to find that dessert in like they, it's not a standard kaiseki dessert, no. right? Like Yeah. Yeah. You just want to hire Stephanie. <laughs>
1: That's what you should do is hire Stephanie. Um let's talk about Stephanie because she got yeah. her first win. She got her first win and I'm very glad she did. Um, like it was, it was well-deserved in part because like she apparently nailed it. Um, as you sort of alluded to, basically it was just her and which you is it? Because even Malarkey doesn't know. <laughs> um, um. So I think that that's... And it's like zero surprising to me that Potaggio did well in this either, because his food is already in that vein in terms of presentation style. Um, Maybe not necessarily like flavor profile, but definitely in presentation style. It's just this is what I do, (laughs) which he even acknowledges.
0: And Melissa did really well. Yeah. But she had uh, two of two of the people commented on having shell in their dish. So if she hadn't had shell in her, di- if she had caught all ever all of that, which she should have, yeah. that w- I think she, it, I got the sense that she would have been up with Voltaggio too. I
1: think she would have been up there, but her stuff also hadn't set because she, um, whatchamacallit. Oh yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that was the other issue was that the eggs hadn't cooked the right way um, because of the it wasn't the st- it wasn't it was still it was steamed. too liquid. Yeah, it wasn't baked enough, basically. Um, so that was the other problem with uh, Melissa's dish, apart from the eggshells. So yeah, she so, was then
0: solid third place.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, I was just I was expecting something very different, and I shouldn't have, because um, again, I thought each of them was going to be responsible for her whole Kaiseki course. I wanted to see that. Um, did you watch Last Chance Kitchen? Yes. Did you? Yes. Let's talk okay, about let's that. let's Talk about Goodness. it. What you think? I like the twist. That was really really good. Um it was a it was a little like it was a little it was a little much like it was a lot for like a last chance kitchen. because I really like it when they're like 10 minutes. It's just like, yeah, you're out.
0: Yeah, when they get to part 2 and it's 25 minutes, it was already so late and I was like, well, I guess I'm watching this, but like if I had known, I would have waited to start this <laughs> until the until tomorrow.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, but I really liked that format of both like, even like with, um, yeah, no, like the thing with the eggs was really, really good. I finally got to watch that. Mm-hmm. But then this whole thing of, Hey, Kevin, if you want in, you're going to have to cook maybe four more times all in a row. Yeah. Um, oh, for like, listeners hey. who
0: don't watch it normally, yeah. whoever wins top, uh, last year's kitchen just is back in. And yeah. this year, Noel, what was the twist?
1: This year, um, for to finally get in, Kevin had to win a best two out of three competition against chefs that are still currently in the competition. Um, so he got... Kevin got to pick who he competed against. And then that selected chef got to choose sort of like the type of... the like the flavor profile or ingredient. And then Tom Colicchio got to choose what the actual dish was going to be. Um, and I I know we say this every year, but Clickio just enjoys Last Chance Kitchen too much. Yeah, yeah, he really does. <laughs> he just I feel like he does this show now to do Last Chance Kitchen because um, he's just having so much fun. Oh, you chose Stinky. Make me a soup. Just, <laughs> just like, That's just mean and delicious. So I really I really enjoyed like watching it but i also was just like oh kevin you chickened out so hard not picking someone you just mm-hmm. chickened out man like i know you wanted to pick stephanie but you didn't want to pick stephanie so you just left it up to everyone um but he got in he got back um i am not surprised that was beat him though like that was what was going to happen how did you feel about that
0: yeah i thought that i was expecting him to pick malarkey and stephanie and then not sure and um and that is kind of what happened um except that instead of stephanie he picked uh voltaggio specifically i mean you're watching this going like well enough time hasn't gone by so clearly he's gonna lose the second one there's gonna be three um and so yeah i agree this is we were talking about when he uh like I guess, threw himself under the bus, but it's not that. When he rightly said, I accept responsibility, eliminate me. After yes. Restaurant Wars, he was speaking to how um, aware he is of the social media ramifications of his choices mm-hmm. on here. And so he didn't want to be like, you're the weak link. So yeah. instead, he puts it on them, which was smart, but also uh, cheating. Um, yes.
1: So, mm. yeah. And in my brain, I was just like, I don't like that you did that. Tom, you want to step in and just compete against him? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, man. That would have been fun.
0: Yeah. But I, yeah, I really like that, that chain, part of it. it. It also feels a bit fairer, especially now that they have Last Kitchen like, contribute a chef at that midway point, And then yes. again, later on, it helps balance it a bit. Um, and apparently they go right from filming that into oh, filming Jesus. the quick fire. So it has to be so tired. Yes. <laughs> indeed indeed so yeah we'll we'll have more on that i'm sure next week but i'm excited for it's a it's a talented top six
1: yeah Um, it's a it's a really like tough group so Um, i was
0: surprised but then not surprised after the judges table what that karen got eliminated but yeah i would now like replace her with kevin in my anticipation for who's going to be in the top
1: um One last thing. How hard do you think Nene is working to try to get some sort of commentary gig? Because (laughs) she's delightful. She's she's so good, and I love her very, very much. And I love how she's just embracing being the peanut gallery of Last Mm -hmm. Chance Kitchen. It's just, it's
0: so good. It's very good. (laughs) She's all of us. It's very good. Very good. Well, now let's take a break, and we'll listen to a little Hanson, and we'll be back to talk about our week in genre right after this. Hansen featured in the season premiere series premiere of Stargirl, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit. But first up in our weekend genre, we've got Harley Quinn season one, which is the animated series on DC Universe that is now available and airing on Sci Fi or Syfy. Then we'll talk about the Stargirl premiere pilot uh, Legends of Tomorrow, I Am Legends, and then the Supergirl finale, Immortal Combat with a K, and the Batwoman finale, Oh Mouse! Oh Mouse! Exclamation point, eh, whatever. Harley Quinn. Uh this we we I feel like we talked about the pilot forever ago for this, but no. Oh no, we, we never okay. No, well we no. we have not talked about season one um of Harley Quinn on the show, and I'm very glad it's on sci-fi now because it is delightful in a very vulgar and sweary and violent way. But like literally like the second line of the whole series is a bunch of rich guys standing in front of a pile saying, and you know our motto. Up the poor. I was like, oh, oh, show. Oh, show. You're here for my heart. (laughs) I will give you so much if that's going to be the tone of this show. And then it was uh, so much to enjoy here. I really, I really got a kick out of season one and I can't wait to dive in with season two, which is currently airing right now.
1: Yeah. Are you going to subscribe to DC universe to watch season
0: two? I haven't made that decision yet. I don't know if it's enough, but I really like it.
1: Yeah, no, that's the thing that um, my partner and I are debating because um, our um, cable provider or like television service uh, popped it into our recommended queue because uh, this dropped like two weeks ago on Sci-Fi's um, on-demand service, and I just went, "Oh, well, I'm not really in the mood to watch Dead to Me. Can we try this?" And then we just watched all of it over the course of last weekend. Um, it's, like you said, it's very vulgar, it's very violent, but it's also just really deeply funny and also really well executed in terms of, like, character work, even though it hits a lot of familiar beats. But it's just this really madcap, zany, Venture Brothers, Looney Tunes-esque approach to Batman. Except for Batman, (laughs) which is the correct thing, yeah. Yeah. The voice cast is
0: terrific, but it it reminds me of like a cross between Venture Brothers and Archer. Yes. And yes. like, well, while being nothing tonally like Archer, but just the sense of humor yes. and the approach. And it's, it's like, this is much more what Archer is, was na- you know previously yeah. than Archer feels like now, at least the most recent season. I can't speak to the season that was supposed to start soon, but got pushed back because of coronavirus. Um but yeah, just like this, the, the comedy and the sense of humor and like the, the running gags and all of the things, like, yeah, there was, it's just really, it's really, it's really good. Bane, the, the continuing Bane jokes are all amazing. Killer Shark really just being a computer nerd who everybody just, you know, pushes in towards like being the, the violent, violent, like you just, hench person right instead of letting him do his computer hacker thing like all of it it's so good
1: (laughs) yeah and the comedy is really sharp and pointed like the entire thing with Dr. Psycho around the Mm c-word is really interesting and like the way that gets baked in throughout the rest of the season. Um, And then just like doing an origin story for her, the iteration of Harley Quinn that is sort of exists now. Um, It's also really good while building that relationship between her and Poison Ivy, which is something that was established way back um, in the nineties with Batman, the animated series. And just watching all of that play out and then getting, Kaylee Kuko and Lake Bell to do Harley and Ivy. Um, which also two things about that. One, this is the this is the second woman from Big Bang Theory to voice Harley because mm-hmm. Melissa Rouch uh, voiced her for one of the direct-to-video um, uh, animated movies. But also, what's really cool is that Kuko uh, has is. Like executive producing of this through her production company, which is the same thing that Margot Robbie does with Harley Quinn with Birds of Prey. And I just really like how that industrially is getting baked into this character as well. The people who are performing Harley are taking ownership of that character and using it to drive what that story is about. Um, So I think this is really great. And it's a really good spin on what is already an established thing of the Joker's really abusive. You should not be involved with this man. And watching all of that play out across this season. And the Joker is deliciously voiced by Alan Tudyk, who also does the voice of Clayface. Mm. I love
0: this take on Clayface. It's so
1: good. It's so good. Like Clayface is just like the best henchman, but like this version of Clayface is really, really great. Um, So I really encourage if you've got access to sci-fi to check this out. It's really, really good. Uh, Like 13 episodes, half hours. Mm -hmm. It's really 22 minutes,
0: not commercials. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's really sharp. It's really funny. It's really violent. It's delightful. And it's really thoughtful. And it's got Kite Man. Like, what more could you want? Listeners, Kate just cracked up. Kite Man.
0: It's very good. Hell yeah. Yeah. Nah, it's it's it, there's a lot to like
1: yeah yeah it's a, it's very good and yeah no i'm trying to figure out if we're going to do like a quick 30-day trial or whatever of dc universe and yeah. just watch all of this in a weekend and then cancel immediately wait for the
0: f- uh, finale right because they're going week to week right now
1: right so wait for this right they're, and they're almost done and like i've read a little bit about what this season is and i really want to watch it mm-hmm. um because like they continue on with what happens in the season one finale? Um, Anything else about this? Oh, Chris Maloney as a deranged <laughs> Commissioner oh, Gordon.
0: So good. Like, the, like really, all of the voice casting. It's so good. It's yeah. so creative and fun. And, yeah, casting Chris Maloney as the cop, as the deranged, like, cop who won't shut up about his marital problems. Uh, I mean, with that context of Stabler. And, of course, they're doing the new Stabler show, too. Right? It's just... It's really good. And there was a number of... I mean, some of the, the voices, you, you'll just immediately recognize, like, Jason Alexander. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But then other ones, I was like, "Who who is that? And I look it up and I go, of course, James yeah. Wolk is Superman. Of course, James Wolk is Superman. Of course he is. Um, Diedrich Bader is terrific as Batman.
1: Which he was already on, Batman the Brave and the Bold. Like, yeah. Like, carrying that over and having him be the straight man to Mm -hmm. everyone, is A-appropriate, but be really kind of smart again about Batman the Brave and the Bold. Um, On a personal note, um, their conception of Damian Wayne, who's a character you probably are not familiar with, makes me so happy. Uh, Damian in the comics is like this snot-nosed, arrogant asshole. Um, But he's 12. But he's been raised by the League of Assassins. Having him voiced by the kid from Room... Jason as Jeffrey, a petulant 12 yeah. year old is so good. Like I can't get over how good it is as someone who also doesn't like Damien, like as a character, this version of Damien makes me very happy. Dad.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's very good. It's very fun. Um. Do not watch this with your children. No, Do not assume no, no. that because we like cartoons and animation and, and Harley Quinn and everything that this is, you know, in any way age appropriate. Like I will not be recommending this to my high school students. I will right. be recommending this to my adult siblings and friends.
1: <laughs> yes. But you know what you can recommend to people and families and younger people? Star girl. Star girl. I feel like you can recommend that to families because this is very good. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's very charming. And
0: I appreciate, I mean, I think it's a good fit for summer programming on the CW and it's a good fit with legends. Um, it, it's, it's, They do a good job. I mean, I'm not familiar with the the comic. I'm not familiar with these characters, but they do a good job of capturing whimsy and energy and fun um, in their first episode. I like Luke Wilson is such great casting in the, the, the dad role or like, you know, the, the Joe West, the, you know, this, this mentor figure who's like a little bit off. Like his Wilson's got that just, just, just off the, over to the left kind of chemistry and energy to his performances. He was so great and enlightened. And so just to see him get a, a I mean, if assuming he wants one to get a, a network TV paycheck again, I think is great. Um, or for the first time, but yeah, anyways, first time.
1: He hasn't done a lot of TV work. So. He, has, you know,
0: he hasn't done a lot of TV. But he's very good here. He's super fun. I buy the different relationships. Amy's smart. Very glad she's the mom. Can't wait for her to find out and get roped in. Because that's yes. I can already tell it's gonna be annoying. But they're they're really playing up, like they're trying to it seems like they're trying to thread a needle between some of the Riverdale, the whole town is creepy. Um, The whole town of supervillains vibe. Um, But it is. (laughs) And and then a much more kid-friendly and family-friendly version of that. And I'm very here for it. So, yeah, I really like, I was surprised. I was really charmed by this.
1: Yeah, and I think charm's the right word. Um, friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, said it had a really amblin entertainment from the studio 80s, that did, like, yeah. E.T. and everything. And it's there throughout, I think, really aggressively. I mean, they were watching Goonies at the drive-in. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that there's, like, it's really fun. It hits that balance. And to your point about, like, not knowing anything about these characters, I don't think that you really need to is also the really important thing like i'm passingly familiar with the staff um and stripesy um my partner didn't doesn't know anything about any of these characters uh so the big reveal at the end with that um because yeah. i don't want to spoil it i uh, really caught her by surprise because she was just like why 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 does he have that car and it's just I, in the back of my head i'm just going Wait for it. Wait for it. Um. So I'm I'm really charmed by this. It's very sweet. Um. I like like you alluded to. I really loved the whole the town's controlled by supervillains. And we should note, listeners, the town is in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. Even though this is shot in and around Atlanta, uh, they shoot it in Cummington, which is the same uh city that they shot most of the, like the Vampire diary. So if you any of the downtown stuff, that's downtown, uh, whatchamacallit, um, Mystic Falls. Um, so that's just adds to the, like, for me, the charm of the show. Um, Joel McHale and just a delightful, weird cameo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I think that this is really good, and everything you've enumerated is really good, and I was delighted to see Amy Smart in this, because I did not know she was in it. And then I just went, oh... Remember the aughts when we really tried to make her a thing and it didn't take? Mm. Um, But she's good in this for like the couple of scenes that she has. And I'm very excited, like you said, for her to find out real fast because I need that to happen.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the main thing that I think they needed to do was they needed the right chemistry between their leads. And I think they have it.
1: Yes. And
0: they needed to sell the staff. And for me, they really did. The staff is so good. It's it's so cool, and you can tell it has its own intelligence and personality. And it's been bored for ten yeah. years in a box, and th- and that it's not necessarily trustworthy. And it's gonna get her into shit, uh, which allows her to not be the kind of character to get herself into shit. Um, and that which I think is important for the con- yeah. misconception of of the character that we're, we're first meeting. Um, yeah, there's a lot of fun stuff here. I I, I look forward to it. Like for me. It's like, this is a solid B, but, yes. it, but this, that like this time of year, if you know, it was a normal year, um, that that's the time of year when I particularly have extra space and time for, and, and an interest in that tone and in that kind of viewing. So yeah, uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to come of several of the
1: threads. It's a town of supervillains. I'm just so excited.
0: Yeah. yeah it'll just be fun. Very excited. Next up is Legends of Tomorrow. I am Legends. And this was their zombie episode. We already mentioned our friend of the show, and Shoemaker, loved this episode. I thought it was fine. Yeah, uh, I did too. I'm curious where you fall. Okay, yeah. Because for me, I was like, there's a lot of really good stuff here, thematically. But I feel like they did it better the first time when they were running out of oxygen on the Waverider, And so because of that, it didn't hit as well as I wanted it to. Um, and so instead it was just like a normal. Very fun solid episode of Legends. But not like. Top tier for me.
1: Yeah and I agree with you. Like I read most of Allison's review. And listeners please go read it. Because it is very good. Yeah. Um, I just don't agree. <laughs> with <laughs> the larger. Like argument that she's making. About the ways in which this. Provides a really good commentary. On mortality and death and dying. And I think there's those are all really good things that are baked into this episode, but they don't feel like fully explored to me in a way that I found really satisfying. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's still a really good episode, but uh, just like lots of little things like niggled my brain of, wait, I don't understand why Nate just doesn't be steel the entire time and use Rory's gun and kill all the zombies. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I don't understand why that wasn't the plan. Oh,
0: man, <laughs> strap him to the front of the car, like Fury Road. Come on! Yes.
1: There's just so many things that they don't do because they need to have the ending that they want to have and they want to do all the zombie and Shaun of the Dead references that they want to, like, incorporate. Um. So I get it. And I do think that there's plenty of, like, fun in this episode from the fact that they just ignore Constantine and the Constantine decides that he's not going to fight because they're ignoring him. The <laughs> z- them being the zombies, it's just like, that's just delightful. Um, but it just never, like, coalesced into anything really potent for me. Because um, I agree with you, like, they've done this sort of thing better already. Um, so while it's fun, it's enjoyable, but it just, it left me just a little bit cold. Um at the same time, I did really enjoy like the little bit that we got with Sarah sort of resigning herself to things here. Yeah. The fact that Sarah has died again for the fifth time, fourth time, mm-hmm. however many times Sarah has died. <laughs> of okay, <Paragon> um, Destiny. <laughs> um is just I really appreciate like that as a character consistency of like, I'm gonna die. I have died many, many times before. I'm okay with this.
0: Well, and you know this idea that she has learned over her experiences how to process and handle that. Yes. And the insert because you like the first time you die, you come back, right? Yeah. That's a traumatic thing. And the second time you you die, in, or you realize that you may die, and or you're you're going to die, that brings the all sorts of new things to uh, deal with around like, is it going to keep this time or am I going to come back? That uncertainty that like, that you don't have the first time because you know, you're going to die and you're not going to come back. You know, like there's different things you can play at this point. She has learned to live her life in such a way that should she die at any moment, she is comfortable with her choices. She has made peace with the people she needs to. And she is where she needs, needs to be and where she wants to be. And it's a beautiful thing to watch. And especially with thinking about where that character started and and like what her journey has been over the course of the various Arrowverse Arrowverse shows. Um, I mean, Keith Lotz always nails that and they usually do a good job on the show. And this is another great example of that, of knowing when to make their moments very quiet and still. Mm -hmm. And this is yet, yet another example of them nailing that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So it's that part for me is like the strongest part of the show. Uh, the, in, in this episode um what did you think about the constantine and zari stuff
0: i thought it was good i liked it but again i just have larger issues around so my larger issue i, I liked each of the different subplots gideon the bunny delightful uh especially fresh off the heels of some of the same dog um but the the larger issue i have with this episode is that unless there is something significant that we don't know about There's nothing that happens like where we end up at the end of the episode. We could have ended up a long time ago, like much earlier in the season. And yes, the whole thing with Legends is why not, right? It's they're doing the bonkers thing. Just have fun. Go for the journey, that kind of a thing. But usually the journey takes a character to a place where they will make a different decision than they would have made at an earlier point in the season. And I don't think we're there for Clotho. I don't think we've seen her shift or change in any meaningful way outside of not running. And so, and so that for me makes this feel extraneous. And especially because we know they're not, all; they're just going to get unkilled in the next episode. There's literally negative suspense around that. So then the question becomes how, and that's how you're engaged is the character stuff and how, and I didn't feel like there was new character stuff for Charlie. And so if I'm not engaged with character stuff, It purely comes down to how. And while, yes, that's interesting, and I can't wait to watch their next episode where the gang is all stuck on TV, but usually this show does all three of those things, not just two, and certainly not just one.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's really, really fair. Um, Charlie, in particular, like for a season that really sort of seemed like it was really going to flesh out that character who has been not Mm -hmm. really well fleshed out, um, it hasn't done a great job of that.
0: Mm-hmm. I really like the little tiny moment of Charlie immediately clocking, though, that John and Zarya slept together.
1: Oh, God, it's so good. Um, yeah. I want to be like,
0: Supergirl, this is how you do characters bickering because they want to hook up. Yes. You know, th- not like characters being demeaning to each other, specifically Monel and Kara, and that's somehow being alluring. Like, that's... Yeah. Ugh, anyways i so i i think i'm more on board with the zari and john stuff than than you are is my guess yeah. and i certainly i think more than allison
1: yeah it just kind of like for me like it kind of works because um matt ryan Tala ash just have oodles of chemistry
0: chemistry with everyone right, you know, the that's the thing, is, like this <laughs>
1: cast has chemistry with literally anything with this water um, bubble yeah. Yeah, no, they do. Like they they could seduce that water bottle and yeah. they would. Um, <laughs> but like it just doesn't feel like completely like developed for me in any way shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's fine. I get it, but it just doesn't register for me in any way um as a compelling storyline. So I'm not really on board with it, but I'm also just like there's enough other stuff going on in the show that I don't I'm not frustrated by it because there's, again, so much other stuff happening. Um, yeah, I think yeah. that's it. The only other thing that I think is worth mentioning is watching Constantine try to light a cigarette in front of a giant don't smoke um, poster or on a bus since the CW has those ridiculous... Anti-smoking things that they cut together from scenes from uh, from their shows to discourage people from smoking, um, and I just loved that.
0: <laughs> Speaking of Constantine, the other relationship that the show has failed to really invest me in, and it's where it's a significant thing, especially this season, is John and Astra. That yeah. every time they've uh... returned to that, I have been less invested in it. So, like the flashback episode, I thought really worked, but like with adult like as soon as like we're meeting adult Astra I'm invested in adult Astra but I am not invested in John's relationship with adult Astra or in John's like guilt around it like I for me his r- complex and like baggage riddled uh, relationship with with uh, Astra and everything is more potent when she is not on screen than when yeah. she is and I so agree with that, yeah. That makes some of these beats, like when they're talking about the Loom of Fate, I'm like, okay, first thing you're bringing back is, first you got to bring back Sarah. And then you, then everybody else. And then you can bring back um, Barad. And then, oh yeah, I guess Astra's around. You should probably do that because that's the deal. And then uh, we'll go from there. You know, like it, that's not, it. Should there should be more tension. And for me, there's no tension about the order of importance of these different... Um, goals that the various, you know, or, like, quests that these characters have been on.
1: And I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I don't, like, fully, fully are but I think that's really, really fair. Where um, would you rank
0: everybody for that?
1: Um, Well, I mean, you're going to bring Sarah back, obviously, but, um, yeah, I, for me, like, well, it also calls into question because of, like, what Astra is shown in this of like, oh, no, don't want to do it anymore. Um, but also, what did you think was going to happen, Astra? Like, what did you think was going to happen? Um, that's how life works. Um, which is a weird thing to have to remind someone. Um, I think for me, like... I do think it works better when she's not on screen. But I also think it works better when it's conceptualized more around Constantine's guilt, which is what drives all of this and less really about Astra wanting her mom back, which doesn't ring true for me. Um, and very consistently has not. Um, but Constantine's guilt is the driving force. It was the driving force for like the, whatchamacallit, for the NBC series, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, And so I think that there's there's stuff there that the show just kind of can't get a full grasp on because it just it doesn't fit really like Constantine as good as he is like on the show his guilt doesn't fit with how every how it conceptualizes like other people's guilt on this show like it did with Sarah on the Bloodlust which is something they very quickly kind of went. She's better um, <laughs> because it doesn't fit with our show, um, and I think that's sort of the same thing here. Is that they the th- the closest thing I can actually feel like I can liken it to is like the season one premise of we're going to do the Hawks and Vandal Savage and all of this stuff, and then going oh this isn't the show but we're committed to this bit. And I feel like that that's sort of the deal with Constantine a little bit is like he had this pre-established thing that they could build other things into like the encores and everything. But emotionally it hasn't connected in any solid way in part because it doesn't fit, but also because Constantine's kind of a walled off character by design. And I think that also prevents a lot of the show's feel good kumbaya sort of approach from working. Because like, even here when they're like all immortal to spin the womb, spin the womb, goodness, spin mm. the loom. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very Voltron Bebo thing again. yeah. So,
0: yeah um well we're gonna have more thoughts with next week's episode and the the week after's finale i'm sure uh before right now let's go on to our other our last two finales our last two episodes which are both finales and we have supergirl immortal combat and again like not the finale not the intended finale but it works it works in a pinch um which i'm sure they're very excited about uh the there's a lot of stupid stuff there's a lot of stuff they didn't earn but there's a, there's a lot of stuff that I think that does work. And so I'm gonna, I'm right now I'm feeling generous towards the show and it took way too long for them to get us to the Lena and Cara place that they are. And it's just like, oh, i are going to talk about this when we get to She-Ra, but it's like, that this is your end game. Got the show. What is wrong with you? Stop being stupid. Like get, get these two crazy kids together because this is clearly what your show is. Um, yeah. whether you want to acknowledge it or not. Um, and, uh, so finally stopping all of the ridiculousness that has been going around with those two characters throughout the season and having them have an honest conversation and having Kara not just be like, I'm hurt, but like actually enumerate a series of, of betrayals or a series of hurts. Right. Have Like having um, Lena, like they just felt like they were actual people again. And as yes. as they were interacting. It was like, where has this been all season? Oh, it's been. Deliberately, like, you know, distracted from, so we hopefully wouldn't engage with it, which has not worked for the supercore fans or for people who are invested in either character individually. Um, but where we end is like, okay it's frustrating it's taking this long, but then hopefully next season we can be back, shake off the dust. It makes me more likely to, I know you said you're out. It makes me more likely to tune back in in the fall. Um, the other thing that I thought was good. Something I thought was finally good was some of the, of the brainy stuff, which has been a real weak point this season because they haven't given it any oxygen or, or time and it really needed it. Um, if you want me to be like, I thought, I think that the actor sells a lot of the stuff. I let every little bit it. No. Yeah, just i like that they brought back um, his twin as the other Brainy. Um, I thought that there was some really nice stuff there. Uh, but it, was, it just for me was like, oh, this is what this season could have been. And we could have had a lot more back and forth with Nia and Brainy and like seen a progression there as they you know, tried to work together on these different things. We could have seen like there's so many other things that you could have started with the same end, beginning and end point and the same general thing through lines of the season and done it so much better if they had just let the characters be people. (sighs) So the fact that, um, we've got a bunch of the gods dead in theory, uh, or like in a
1: thing, it doesn't matter who, who the hell cares because nobody cares. What are these characters? What do they do? What are they? Who knows?
0: Yeah. The, the, the mysterious, um, she boss or whatever in hiding in the shadows i'm not excited about that but it seems like the other stuff is now stripped away and so i feel like i pro it seems like i i would have liked the end of this season if they had been able to film it it's just a shame about all of that middle stuff
1: yeah um i fully agree with you about lena and kara like that whole scene is the best thing that the shows kind of produced this season mm-hmm. um which again is really telling about where your strengths are as a show that this is the best thing that you've produced because it should have been here the entire season um and it's really frustrating that's not um and it it was just a another error on top of a season that was filled with errors
0: mm-hmm. um Lots of unforced errors
1: yeah so I think, like, the ways in which, like, like, Benoist and McGrath really hit those emotional beats in that scene are really potent and really great. And I really, really liked that scene. Um, everything else is just a mess. Like, I'm glad you like the Brainy stuff. I just didn't follow it and mm-hmm. care um, because the show's done so poorly by that character at this in this season in particular and by that actor in particular because Jesse Rath just gives has given just a really solid, tender performance as Brainiac, um, as someone who feels distinct from uh, Wynn and also immediately fit in the show, Um, since they were serving the same narrative purpose of being the tech person. Um, So, but he slid right in, and it was really, really great. But the rest of the episode, for me, just doesn't mean anything since i don't care about obsidian i don't Mm -hmm. care about virtual reality um i don't care about whatever the gods are doing to steer human evolution it doesn't mean anything because who the hell cares because you haven't done anything to make it matter
0: also Uh, because we know they're gonna lose
1: yeah but i mean that's how it always works they're always going to lose but what was their plot it, it. i don't know mm-hmm. um and then everything with andrea was just got really 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 muddled after the crossover um to the point where i forgot that she owned a Catco, and i think everyone decided that she didn't anymore um and i'm really curious about how that's going to shake out um the thing i will say is that like I'm really curious to see how I'm going to feel about coming back to the show, given the fact that it now has a very long wait for uh, season six. I'm also really curious because this is now, I want to say, the third time that the show is basically retooling itself. Um, from the DO's gone, we're all gonna do this in the watchtower. Alex has like an outfit now, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Like, I like her outfit, I like the hood. Um, she needs like a mask and not like Oliver Queen mascara oil yeah. painting. Um, because I feel like we all learned that lesson. Someone needs to call her out on it. <laughs> um, but also, Cisco isn't here to make masks anymore. So, <laughs> um, but I think that there's I'm really interested in what this new version of Supergirl is going to be for Season 6. Enough that I want to check it out. So we'll see. But it's just... I need them to have a really good idea and a really thoughtful idea of what Season 6 is going to do and be about. Um, friend of the show, Caroline Sita, in her review mentioned the fact that one of the best things about this season is the fact that they proved that Lex can work as a recurring figure. And they did. And now we've got Lex and Lillian teaming up. And I really like that as a concept because more Brenda Strong in the show is a good thing.
0: Is Lillian her?
1: And then that's the problem. Is like she may be like the head of Leviathan, and which I think is maybe the implication. Yeah. Um, and I don't... I don't love that, but I, I like, like that Str-
0: more than she is the person who's there for Lex to talk to.
1: Yes, I do too. And also she's someone that they can have on screen to provide menace if Cryer's not available necessarily for that week. And it's still work because Brenda Strong's amazing. Um, so I'm excited by that aspect enough to like check out, but it's going to be a real short leash. But again, we'll see because I may be just hankering for Supergirl by 2021
0: (laughs) very possible very possible um well let's go to our last episode of the week and that is the batwoman finale oh mouse and on the list of things i did not anticipate the end of the episode is their big twist whatever sure but i did not anticipate uh i'm given enough time for people to skip ahead if they don't want to spoil i did not anticipate Alice killing Mouse. I mean, in the scene in the moment, yes, absolutely. But like at the beginning of this episode, I would never have said that that was a thing that could happen. Um, So props to the show for continuing in season one to to be ruthless um, around killing supporting characters for their main heroes and and villains.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I wouldn't have expected it either. And it's still like a degree of like Alice prioritizing herself among all other things and that consistency is what makes that death really tragic of mouse just thinking that no we need to leave like it's we're done we're done here like there's no reason for you to stay she's kate is not going to take you back in any way shape or form we can just go we can be happy and then no i need to do all the things i need to do And I think that there's some it just really ups Mouse is this very tragic figure in the show. And I really, really loved it. And I really loved that scene Mm -hmm. Um, because it's just it's both heartbreaking and really scary at the same time. And so I really, really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah, I think some of what they're looking to the conversation they're looking to have around police brutality and violence gets lost. I think that I think they're trying to make a point. And a good point. but Weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't... But the trouble is that when the the crows shoot the guy who she's talked down, they have no way of knowing that she's talked him down. And he has previously beat the crap out of her. So it's not... It, on the list of examples of police overuse, overuse of force, that is not your, what you want to use as your point to make your point. You know, what I mean, if you're if you're trying to have a conversation about the type of violence that Batwoman uses versus the crows versus the, the police department in Gotham, like and trying to delineate these three groups of people the, having different approaches to different types of like crime fighting. I don't think this is how you do that.
1: Yeah. So there's a couple of things wrong with all of that mess. Not what you said, but with this thing um, for me is first and foremost is I'm not crazy about a big black guy being representative of the Arkham escapees. It's not a good thing. It's not a good look for the show to immediately jump to that. Um, even if what they want to do is make this thing about police brutality. The second thing is, is that the show, especially since the crossover has done two things very poorly. The first is that Gotham doesn't really exist as a character, which is a major failing within any sort of bat family narrative. Um, but particularly one in which, which leads to the number two point one in which the crows are still the police in Gotham as like a private military force. And there's no politics around that. There's no discussion about like Jacob lining his pockets, being this private paramilitary organization. Um, And by lining his pockets, I mean being paid really well by the city. Um, And there's allusions to it a little bit here and there within the episode, especially in his scene with Mary, which is great. But given the fact that the Crows have been kind of squishily presented, especially, again, since the crossover, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: it doesn't ring as strong, I think, as the show wants. Which leads into your discussion about that this character, this uh, character from Arkham is violent um, is but in a very standard motivated violent for comic book hero superhero narrative of he targeted very specific people. Um, but that they don't get to hear him basically surrender. Um, and there's definitely a potency to it. But it rings really hollow for the reasons you said. But it also rings hollow for another reason of Black Lightning is a television show that has done this consistently for two seasons now and has done it significantly better. Mm-hmm. And there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um. So when you have like all of this like in the mix, it's really difficult to, I think, make a really good point. It feels very half-assed. It feels like we have had they had this idea. They did not execute it well enough to make it land in a way that I think makes sense. Um, and it was it was just really frustrating to watch uh, up until the reveal when I went, "Oh, this is what they wanted." Reveal of like the idea of where they wanted to go, and they went, "Oh, I get it." Oh, this wasn't executed well though, and that was just really frustrating.
0: Yeah, um, the. There, again, I think that the season has really worked uh, as, a, as a whole. It's worked much... I have found myself much more invested with Batwoman than I expected to be or that I anticipated being at the, you know, in the start of the fall. Um, but yeah, certainly certain parts have worked a lot better than others. And for me, aside from everything with Alice, which is, you know, I think worked really well, uh, the, the, the part, the secret, like, surprise hit of this show has been everything with Mary. And that scene that we get with her and her and, and, and uh, you know, her dad, Jacob is just terrific. And of course she would think that she would have, it would mean something coming from her, but of course it doesn't <laughs> because we, I think as viewers, we have a more objective view of, of him than she does as a, as a daughter. Uh, and well I think the show is, has needed to hit the, Hey, I'm your sister too thing too hard. Um, I think that's been a mistake in how they've written and characterized Kate. Um I, I've really it's actually very inconsistent.
1: That part of it. Yeah. It's very inconsistently deployed of Kate recognizes that Mary and treats Mary like a sister. And then like it backpedals in really weird ways that I can't tell is the show or is like supposed to be a commentary on Kate. Yeah. It's very difficult to s- slice that.
0: Yeah. I do agree with you, though, that Gotham is not yet a character, and that is a problem. Uh, I was surprised how much I have continued to enjoy Vesper Lind as our voice of Gotham.
1: <laughs> right. And Rachel it is having so much more. fun. I need, like, politicians. Like, I mean... Oh,
0: yeah. No, I agree. We had
1: the mayor in the premiere, and, like, where did they go? And I really kind of miss that as, like, a presence of, like, some sort of political media landscape. Because Vesper's great, but we need more. -hmm. In that vein of like, how does all this? How does this paramilitary organization fit in Gotham and everything else? Um, So that's something that they need to work on with season two.
0: I do think this is one of the better season ones, though, of the various Arrowverse shows, and that's saying
1: something. So hopefully, it's not the Flash season one, but it's solid. It's solid. I mean, like it's better
0: than Arrow season one. It's better than Legends season one. Um... (laughs) Everything's
1: better than Legends season one, (laughs) Kate.
0: Um, but, uh, there's, there's, you know, it's not Black Lightning season one. It's not the Flash season one, but it's better than a lot of, of them. And, um, and I look forward to seeing, like you said about Supergirl, what a good long break and a lot of thinking, which is what they're going to do as they recast their lead role, um, is going to bring to the show. So, yeah, i I'm surprised to end the season after like. If you had told me last, like, spring, like, next season, you're going to be more interested in Batwoman than you are Supergirl, I would have been like, what are you talking about? That is ridiculous.
1: We were all in that boat, to be fair, because (laughs) season four of Supergirl is top tier stuff. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, what was your week in TV?
1: Uh, Well, the Bob's Burger finale was really, really funny. It was really delightful. I enjoyed it. Bob's had a just, hey, surprisingly, very strong season.
0: Mm -hmm. Um.
1: But it's also ten seasons in. I can say that pretty much about every season of Bob's Burgers from the get go. But it was a really good thing. Uh, but what wins my week this week is Harley Quinn. Season one was just probably the most fun I had watching television this week. Um, even though it was only two days. What about you? What one's wins, wins your week?
0: Yeah, it's probably it's probably Harley Quinn. Though I did really like the Drag Race. Um episode this last week so I'm very excited about how that's going to finish up as well so we'll see if that holds next week mm. uh, now we'll take a break and we'll come back with uh ra and the Princesses of Power season 5 in our season spotlight we'll be right back after this when I broke the sword I thought I could make my own destiny I don't know what my destiny is anymore we You aren't alone. You've never been. That was the trailer for season five of *Shira and the Princesses of Power*. And those who've been listening for a while will know that I was more enthused with season one than Noel. But over the course of the various seasons and half seasons, we're now both—at least as of season four—we're both pretty, pretty strongly on board with the show. What did you think of the final season? Was it a good conclusion to the series? And where does it rank for you amongst, like, on, on your more, more of a, a peaks and valleys journey with the show?
1: This is a really, really good season. Because um, I think, like, one of the things that I turn That I realized, especially towards the end... Um, that this season, probably more than any of the other seasons... Um, even though it's still basically the same plot and show and concept of... We have to fight the thing. Um, and we're going to... Rebe- it's the rebellion and we've got to save people the power of friendship and being good to them and all this sort of stuff. The difference between this season and all the other seasons is that Prime represents an actual threat with an agenda that is actually trying to be enacted, as opposed to Hordak's whole thing, which is, I'm kind of trying to take over the planet, but I'm really focused on making this big portal. Um, and because of that, the stakes feel appropriately higher than they have i think for the show in general because there's also been significantly less we need to chase after this weird first first ones tech MacGuffin type stuff that is very prevalent in the preceding seasons and so the result of this season i feel is really really focused um and there's still really they still make a lot of space for Catra-specific character work, um, considering the rest of the supporting cast doesn't necessarily get as much attention as they have in the past, but they also all get that terrific we're-going-to-go-down-to-the-club um, episode, which is just, all oh, their costumes are so good. Um, so I think that there's a lot of really good stuff here, um, but the thing that I think I really love most about this season is that it... Because of how they conceptualize the stakes of, all right, Prime's here. It's a series of mind control clones. Our entire shtick of the show, and I say shtick in a really positive way, is everyone's individuality and uniqueness is what makes them strong. So here's a threat that basically takes all that away. And that is really powerful for this show to kind of start exploring. Um, so I really really like this season it's probably their best season in terms of like I think a strong narrative through line um I have to go back and like re-watch Smatterings or read um things to kind of rank it as a whole um but I really enjoyed my time with it um with season five season five season five um so how did you feel about this
0: yeah I really liked it too and I think it's yeah it's if not their strongest, it's one of their strongest. I, w- I would similarly have to, like, kind of revisit a few things to decide where I wanted to put it. Um, but there's there's so much that it does really well. And, I mean, almost immediately you have all the characters we care about are on the good side. Um And, and all the characters, like, so there's no more, like, wait, but that doesn't make sense with what we know about, like, Scorpia. And these like, they're you can't have your cake and eat it too with Entrapta and like they're slaughtering lots of people, you know? So they, they finally commit to that stuff and get everybody that's on the team on the team. And then immediately have several of our heroes chipped such that it can be a a fair fight, you know, and it can, they can really mean the powers, and the formidability of their opponents when it's Mermista, when you realize they have Mermista. It's like, holy shit, okay. Yeah. They're done. Done. Yeah. Just give up. And then yeah. they get
1: glimmer's dad and you're just like, oh. Fuck.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> even Shadow Weavers is scared scared of Micah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um it it, it just there, there's a lot of really smart choices around how they structure the season and how like the the Horde Prime or in like how that the horde works and all that and 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 there, I think even just there's the right amount of time of like, the, the, the structure of, like, three mini-arcs, I think, works really well. Um, there's enough banter and adventure in space while there's still enough stakes. Like, it just feels very, um, it, it feels very honed and it feels very balanced. Um, the one issue I had with this season um, is, is, is such a quibble. But when we get to the end of the season and it's like, hey, guys, Catra and Adora, right? Uh, it's like, yeah, we all knew, like this was the OTP, right? From like the first episode, it was very clear that this is where the show was go. Do are we supposed to think the characters don't know, or were you acting like the audience wasn't supposed to know? Because I felt like they did, like for me, they didn't handle some of those scenes quite right because it was supposed. to, it was, I felt like they were treating this like some reveal, but not like a reveal to the characters figuring out a new dimension to how like their relationship and how they felt about each other. And that so that was my one thing. I was like, I am all for the ending that like the ships at the end. I mean, I didn't need uh, bow and and glimmer uh, like that didn't I felt like we need to couple everybody off rather than an organic thing based on their chemistry and their relationships experiences. But as far as get as having Adora and Catra, a professor love for each other. Um, I thought that that, I mean, I'm I'm all for that ending, but I would have liked that to be handled. I think they could have handled it better. I think they could have done it in a way that felt more organic and less, and more like they had been watching their own show.
1: I don't know. Was that just me? I think it was just you. Okay. Um, Cause everybody because, else loves it. Yeah, no, I think it works really, really well, and I... Can you give me, like, I think I feel like I need, like, a more solid example of how you've... what you're thinking of, in terms of, like, that sense of surprise! It makes so much more sense than, like, the end of Legend of Korra. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
0: No, yeah, it does. It does. Well, okay, like, the idea that like, if, if I got, for example, if I got a sense that Katra thinks Adora likes someone else, then I could understand why she would have that doubt and or like self-loathing or various things of she'll never love me the way I love her. Right. Mm-hmm. And that could. And I also think they could have played that earlier in the season with more and had more potency from it. Sure. Um, and instead, it felt that. like if to me, it felt like they were saving it felt like all of the Kara and Supergirl stuff until the last episode where they're like, we're going to actually do it guys. And I would have much rather just have them be in a relationship. Have that be like, have that be, have that turn be like episode three, episode four, or like when they rescue her and have them have some hard to moments and on their adventure back and, ha- and like then, and then go from there. That's okay. more interesting to me. I don't know.
1: I think it works just fine how they've done it um i think for the main reason being is that doing like kind of like putting them into that relationship mode in like season earlier in the season um after they like which is like season five so halfway through the season when they um save um catra um needs that those moments of um what call it of dealing with catchers like long standing guilt mm-hmm. um and that needs to be worked through um and i think that like taking control does a pretty good job of that um which is episode 6 the episode immediately after um that i think helps with that because you need that character development and you also need Katra to have a very important haircut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh God, she looks so good with that shorter hair. Um, and I think that just rushing them into a relationship would have, would have for me, felt too inorganic given Catra's whole baggage. Okay. Um, and arguably even, like, Adora's bag- baggage as well, especially, like, in that point in the season of trying to figure out wait, my powers are sort of working, they're not working all the time, but also I have this great outfit that has pants now. (laughs) Um, Which is great. I love pants. Um, So, yeah, I think it's fine. I think, like, character-wise, they need that space. Um, So... Plus, also, and I think that this is sort of, like, where it's ultimately coming from, is... It's such a... strong trope within a fantasy setting of love being the thing that solves the solves, solves the thing. Yeah. And you, you don't want to sacrifice that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I know that's, it's very clear. That's what they're going for here.
1: Yeah. And you don't, you don't want to give that up because of like the potency of that in this context is really important.
0: Yeah. I guess for me, there was one too many oh, I guess Katra, Ketra is uh, as ditched us again, or like one of those turns where I didn't think, I didn't buy the characters going there with it and then pivoting back to, oh, no, <laughs> I love you. Like at the end, like they I needed, or maybe maybe even if just they had a, a, Ketra leave and then the door's like, yeah, I don't know where she is. She must be dealing with a lot right now, but I'm sure she'll be back. Something like yeah. that. That would have helped because for me, it it was just too like, well, we've got to fill three more episodes before we have our big Love Conquers All ending. So let's why aren't they talking to each other or in a scene together? And And there wasn't any instigating moment like it's I mean, these are all very well-trodden tropes, but like, there wasn't any like, oh, she's actually in love with Bo or actually she's in love with Glimmer and so I'll just leave. And like, I didn't feel like there was enough motivation for some of these choices. And and then around the, the centering it around Shadow Weaver makes a lot of sense. Yes. With, with their baggage, but then they don't examine it in any meaningful way because the show ends, right? So like, that's where I, that, that's where I got frustrated with it.
1: I think getting frustrated with the Shadow Weaver pivot. Um, which is really potent, but not nearly as potent as it could be, Um, is sort of like what drives that. But I very fully agree that maybe they think that they just did it already. Like they had spent seasons sort of like exploring that relationship and didn't feel the need to really push it forward Um, or really draw those connections and trusted the audience to do that. However... I do agree with you that it, it's a little hard to fully latch onto a last sort of manipulation sacrifice, looking out for one's own shadow weaver move um, that puts Adora into a tight space and Catra is just done with it. Um, that it doesn't feel as sort of fully realized as if, as opposed to if Shadow Weaver's more present in the season than she is, um, since she fades in and out real hard, um, and that could have just been Lorraine Toussaint wasn't going to be available. Um, shout out to her on the Good Fight this week. Yeah, um, just oh god, she's so good, and she's really, really good in this season of uh, Shira. Like her whole thing at the end—it's um, just real good. But yeah, I see where you're going with that. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But, and I say that, but I really did like the season a lot. There was so much great material for, for the different, uh, the different princesses The again, like that choice, the structural choices I thought worked really like it's, it's the same thing they did over on Clone Wars, but you know, all of them were good
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes,
0: for me. Um, so, so yeah, there's a lot to, to really appreciate. And, uh, I, even just like the, the, there were these threads, like I, every character got some sort of development thread. Even if it was just Micah being like, I'm going to be a bad dad. Oh no, <laughs> my dad's not going to like me until he's, you know, possessed. Um, like there was stuff for everybody. And, and I really, I thought they did it such a good job of structuring it. All. I liked the, the stuff. I mean, I, I was mentioning Micah, but the stuff with Micah and, and was it Frosta, where, where, you know, having him just very closely, you are the strongest person here. So you need to do, you know, and, and she's, the 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 smallest the littlest princess right um there there's a lot of really good stuff there but take i mean it's just mean it's just mean of them to take that gorgeous uh, underwater ball adventure haha shanty episode and then pull out our guts and our heart like that even it, like it's like you it gave us this the, the song and i thought it was well song believably song not secret mm-hmm. like diva yeah. um and then go, like, no heroic sacrifice, go, <laughs> everybody else go up, and y'all are,
1: because they got Mermista. Um, and Scorpia, who had been holding back because she didn't know what her powers were, and then it's like, oh no, she's really scary. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, and yeah. to have, like,
0: oh, Scorpia can keep up with Mermista. Yes, uh oh and then she's gonna okay and i was like oh they're really gonna kill off scorpio i mean like i guess this is an episode today and i was like no of course they are she's possessed now too it's like oh no oh no and she wasn't an equal because like you know and then even just the conversation they have with perfumer about like you could be as powerful as them she's like yeah i know i don't want to be i'm i want to be this person and so i'm gonna yep. be that instead was so beautiful and so well done so like there's there i really like this season there was a little but fun
1: wonderfully countered by Natasa turning out to be the batman of the group oh, and having so plans to destroy everyone plus god her wave destroying Katra with the water <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was very good it's very very good like the the you're my weakness was i didn't like that i was like no she's not your weakness she's yeah. your strength right like I, I just like it's just such a I can buy Batman saying that. (laughs) Sure. But yeah, I like that they made that they're like, oh yeah, yeah, I know. We kind of joked about Natasa, Natasa and Spinnerella, but we're going to make them badasses in the last season. You're going to be rooting for Natasa so hard. Um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even just like the the poor Mushroom City. (laughs)
1: Oh gosh, those poor, poor mushroom people.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, and then we need—I mean, the the uh, the the guy, one of the clones, right? Who's been separated wrong, and just wrong,
1: wrong Hordak, wrong Hordak. Hordak
0: <laughs> and was like, wink. uh The wink never got old. I was like, it should have. It very nearly did, but then it came back around. Like all these characters, the the. the the care and the thought and the fun that they have with each of them. I mean, even essential because it's such a dark storyline. Um, yeah. yeah, I, I had a blast with it.
1: And you mentioned that, like, about the dark storyline, and I was very glad when we got back to um, Bo's dads because I was like, "What about Bo's dads? I he's was the only whole time. Yeah, he's the only one with parents. What is happening to his dads? I need to know, show." Thank you for addressing this because I was very worried about them. Um, the little note. Oh. <laughs> one other thing um, to men- mention, I think that this is an important discussion to have in light of us having watched um, Harley Quinn this week <clears throat> is the obvious parallels between Kite Man and Poison Ivy and Mermista and Seahawk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're strong. They're strong. Uh, where... Remista and Pamela, you could both be doing a lot better.
0: <laughs> and they should be, and I don't buy for a second. And again, it's just we need to pair everyone off kind of a thing, which I think is stupid. Remista don't need no no sea shanties <laughs> just nope. because we like him. Yeah, and
1: do we like him? We like, we enjoy, he's funny. He's funny, yeah. Um. So, yeah, no, I just thought about that because of like the the... Overlap oh, yeah. The pill.
0: Well, yeah. Well, and just this idea that we reward a male character for being funny with yeah. a romantic relationship with a woman who previously has shown all almost no interest in him in any manner, yeah. like, even just basic friendship.
1: Yeah, it's been really reluctant. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's just, it's just a perpetuation of toxic storytelling. And, yeah. like, yeah, I know she seems like she doesn't like you and she's telling you to leave her alone, but really... She digs it, and that's, yeah. that's 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 not great.
1: Yeah, and the show tries to make it work a little mm-hmm. bit, and especially in this last season, but it just doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't work. And, no. So, um, is there anything else? Um, do we just want to talk about how good AJ? aj um Chocla is as catra again
0: again um, always the whole just voice like, cast is very good
1: yeah it's just entirely really really good um yeah i don't know that i have anything else
0: i'm gonna miss hanging out with that like with these characters and just listening to them interact like the, from the yeah. for the vocal performances i was glad sandra O oh showed up a few more times
1: <laughs> yeah cast a spell is so good
0: <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no there's there's it was a really fun, very bingeable, like, I watched all of it in, like, two days this season, and I didn't feel like I lost anything from it. because I, I was. It was great, because we got, they rescued, we finished the first arc, and I was like, okay, we have rescued Glimmer, pause, I will stop my binge, that is a very clear, like, come back tomorrow point. And then I watched the second arc the next day, so actually I split it over three days, and it was just, it was very digestible in that manner. So, I think it's actually one of the more watchable of the seasons um yeah. for that yeah I, I i'm really i'm glad that you enjoyed this season i'm glad that you ended up really enjoying she because uh it just watching her transform into her into she-ra and i mean into the the look that she has you know i like that little shout out to her new look that, that she got it's just i mean it just i'm immediately thought back to it prompted me thinking back to the uh the people who were grumbling about the character design when it was first announced and how like, why is she, she in shorts, she should be in the tiny mini skirt. Um, and it just, it made me so, again, so happy that kids who like this type of storytelling and who like flowers and rainbows and pretty horses with magic wings and stuff get to have this type of representation in heroes as well, you know? Yep. And, and the, like it's a show that, fully embraces super air quotes, girly kind of characters and super not interested in that at all types of characters. And that it like that is not shackled to very objectified body types and, and art styles and like leery, you know, camera work for lack of a better word um, or lack of my not knowing the proper word, I should say. Um, yeah, it's just, it's lovely. So I, I hope people who like adventure stories, who like action and magic and fun and people going, oh, it's so pretty, right, will check this show out. I'm glad that they that this is a show that they can watch.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, even if this season I could have used more of the Star Siblings because it was Melissa Fumero <laughs> and Ashley Eckstein. And yeah. we... Really got them. Um, anything else? No, just really good. I also just refuse to believe that the horde would have been able to conquer Huntaro like that, though. I just don't buy that.
0: Yeah. There's, you but, know, you got, you got to give them a few things so that you can move yeah. the storyline along. Storyline along. but yeah, I hear you. I hear you on that. Yeah, no, well, no,
1: this is really great. You should watch it. And well, there you go.
0: Worth uh, worth struggling through the first season or just start with season two.
1: Yeah, so. just go to season two. I feel like, but. I also barely remember season one enough to remember if there's like any narrative stuff that you really need from it. But I honestly can't remember.
0: See, and I still would like season one, so maybe yeah. try season one, and if you're not digging it, try just skip forward to season two and see see if that's more your speed. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that's a good idea.
0: Well, uh, well, that will wrap up our conversation on She-Ra, the Princesses of Power, uh, barring a future, I don't know, movie or something. Um, and that'll take us to show notes. So a few show notes here at the end of the episode. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can like our page on Facebook and start up a conversation there. You can email us, theteleverse at gmail.com You can find an M4A chapter feed, and MP3 unchapter feed up in Apple Podcasts. We're also over on Stitcher. We'd appreciate ratings and reviews, either place. And of course, we're both on uh, Twitter. I am at theteleverse to so you
1: are? At Noel RK. Thank you so much for a great week, Kate.
0: Thank you, Noel. And thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of The Telliverse.